Welcome to Saints. In this podcast, we'll be discovering and discussing fascinating insights to topics and events found in Saints, the story of the Church of Jesus Christ in the latter days. This new four-volume narrative is a history of the Restoration. You can also read it and all the material we'll be discussing today on LDS.org or on your Gospel Library app. And now, Saints. Thank you for joining us for the inaugural episode of the Saints Podcast on the Mormon Channel. I'm Ben Godfrey, and today I have two amazing guests here with me to talk about this new project. First, we have a PhD historian and writer, Steve Harper. Welcome. How are you? And we also have Sarah Eyring. Hi. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. So in today's episode, um, we're going to learn what is saints. Steve, what is this project all about? Well, the Lord told his uh, people early in the Restoration that they needed to keep a history. And uh, a lot of people are turned off by history. But I think when they catch the vision of what this one is, they will no longer be because This is the history of the church for the 21st century. So it's the story of the past for the present, and it is extremely exciting. It's not your parents' or your grandparents' uh, history. It's uh, new and fresh, and uh, it engages all of the challenging issues, uh, takes all the problems head on. Uh, Maybe the best thing about it is it is a compelling story. People who start reading it don't want to put it down. So speaking of that, um, Sarah and I have actually both read quite a bit of the book. Yes. Um, and so, Sarah, this is this is new to all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what are your thoughts? What are your questions about what you've read so far? And Sure. Well, I think that it's great. I agree that it, it is a very exciting new text. But help us to understand a little bit, help me to understand how— um, it covers our history, but has to do with our present. How much of the history does it cover? Where do we start? What a great question. It starts in the spring of 1815 okay. in Indonesia. We've never done that before. <laughs> uh, that April, a volcano blew up and it had a devastating impact on much of the world, all of the Northern Hemisphere and uh, huge numbers of God's children across the whole face of the earth were impacted, some immediately and and very dramatically. I mean, everybody in the shadow of the volcano just about died. Wow. And over the course of the next several months and years, people as far away as uh, China, Europe, and Vermont Mm -hmm. in the United States were impacted. That's where Joseph Smith and his family were living. And as a result of the volcanic eruption, their crops failed in successive years, and they ended up moving to New York, where Joseph Smith uh, said he began to be concerned for the welfare of his immortal soul at about the age of 12 years. Wow. Steve, um, a volcano, that seems to be, like you said, we haven't heard this story before. For our listeners, they don't know about this yet. Why do we have a volcano? What's the method of telling our our story this time? Every great story, Ben, and the plan of salvation is the greatest story ever told, in my opinion. Every great story has a problem. And the bigger the problem that the protagonists in the story have to face— then the better the story. So can you imagine a bigger problem than 
sin and death and the devastating effect those things have on the relationships we cherish with the people that we love most. Right. There's no bigger problem. And there's no better solution to that problem than the restored gospel of Jesus Christ. So Sarah and I, we might remember B.H. Roberts. Mm-hmm. Uh, we might remember, you know, Joe Smith Papers. That's a little newer. I, I don't remember any of that kind of stuff happening in those. Like this doesn't feel like the same kind of history. Yeah. Well, you're exactly right. You know, uh, the Lord commanded the early saints, commanded us today too. The commandment's still intact. Our our prophets have commissioned us to do it. The commandment was to keep the church history continually for the good of the church and for the rising generations. So, um, you know, we've had great histories in the past. We've There's never been a better record-keeping people ever, as far as I know, than the Latter-day Saints. But a history written uh, in the 19, early 1900s for the saints at, at the time the church turns 100, which is right. what B.H. Roberts was, right. that's not a history for the 21st century. So we're going to keep the commandment to keep the church history continually. Uh, you need a past that is meaningful in the present, and that's what this one is. So obviously it starts with an element of the story that we didn't know about the volcano. Are there other elements throughout the story that people wouldn't be familiar with generally, even if they know some of the history of the church? Yeah, I'm, I'm confident enough to guarantee that in every chapter, <laughs> readers will say, oh, there are some things I was familiar with. And also, I never knew that. I never knew that. Wow. I can't tell you how many hundreds of times by now. We've heard our, our readers say, I have never heard that before. I never knew that. And they're delighted by the fresh take mm-hmm. of the whole story and the new details they learn on every page. Where do those new details come from? Are they, are they pretty reliable, <laughs> I wonder? <laughs> they come from really old records. Oh. <laughs> they are indeed reliable. The fact that people haven't heard them before doesn't mean they haven't existed. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe one of the The best records we have is Joseph's earliest autobiography. I quoted from it a minute ago. Uh, 1832 autobiography, written mostly in his own hand on six pages that were the first pages in what we now call his letter book. And even though this document was written in 1832 and it came across the plains with the pioneers, it, it was in a trunk uh, preserved for much of that time afterwards. And it was only really discovered and published in the 60s, about 50 years ago. And it's only been, it's a, it'll only become common knowledge to the saints through this new history. So that seems like a difficult task to take things that many people don't know about and to really add them to the story in a graceful way and an accurate way. Was that sort of a daunting task when you guys started? Yes, no doubt. The degree of difficulty is very daunting, but it's also the reason for doing it. It's the the exciting challenge that we have. And I am thrilled about the way the prophets have directed us to do it. Beginning with with Brigham Young, uh, Joseph Smith is the, the one who reveals to us the Lord's commands to keep a history. But in the early 1860s, Brigham Young told the church historians that they needed to do a better job of it. Oh. <laughs> he said, you've got to write in a narrative way 
And only about a tenth as much, he said. Oh, wow. <laughs> he, it sounds like to me he might have known a historian or two. I think he might have. <laughs> just a few. Steve, tell us about the team. Speaking of historians, just give us a little bit, our listeners, a, a picture of who's involved in doing this. And then maybe tell us a little bit about how you, how you choose what goes in and what, what doesn't go in. I'd love to do that. I am so thrilled about the team. It's my belief that the Lord has brought a group of people together who are ready for such a time as this, as the, as the Bible says. So uh, let me tell you a little bit about the creative process. When I first came to work on the, on the project, Richard Turley, who was then an assistant church historian, right. uh, who's now the the head of the church's public affairs department. He was leading the project. He's really a, a main visionary of it. And he warned me. He said, uh, you need to know that the creative process is not all uh, rosy. He said, it starts out with, this is awesome. This is really great. Right. And then you get to the point where you think, this is tricky. This is going to be hard. Yeah. And then you get to the point where you say, this is garbage. <laughs> and then... I'm garbage. <laughs> but then you turn a corner and you start to see it becoming what it was envisioned in the first place. And you realize this is going to be great. And um, that process corresponds to the people that were available to work on the project. So we had a really wonderful vision for what it should be. It should be fascinating reading. It should be fast engaging. Fast-paced, fast fun paced. to read. Yeah, you just don't want to put it down. It should be true, right? Uh, readers should be able to rely on it. It's a true story. There's not one made-up line of dialogue. There's not one character that wasn't a real person who lived in the time of Nothing Joseph about Smith. the weather, even? No. If it says it was raining, it was raining. <laughs> if it says it was hot, it was hot. Uh, if it says that somebody experienced an emotion, it's because it is well documented. So it had to be all of that. It had to be just this perfect constellation of truth and interesting. And as you know, history doesn't always, or historians don't always make that work. And that was our problem early on. The historians who were working on it, including myself, we had the vision of it, but we didn't have all the tools we needed to make it happen. Sure, right. And so at a critical point, uh, some of our internal reviewers, um, especially James Goldberg, who's a fantastically creative mind, he said, you know, what you need is you need some creative writers to help you pull this off. And we asked him for some recommendations. He said, Scott Hales is fantastic. So we, we talked to Scott and said, would you be interested? He was he had just recently finished his PhD in English at the University of Cincinnati. And he said, yeah, let's, let's give it a try. He was excited about what Sarah talked about, the very daunting task. <laughs> right. He was excited about it. He, he was grounded in history and fantastically creative in writing and structuring the story. And so he was somebody who, who could be trusted to keep it true mm -hmm. and also make it fantastically readable. And he and others like him, a whole team of creative writers, have made it uh, into just something that readers will not want to put down. One of the, the things that I've noticed with the, just knowing a bit about the project, we've got, we've got historians, we have writers, 
we have a whole team of source checkers, like you said, to make sure everything is grounded in real history. We, we even have people who've written screenplays. Absolutely. To make sure that this is, uh, you know, this is going to be something people actually want to read in their spare time for fun. Yeah, and there's a wonderful spirit about it, Ben. There's, there's this fantastic collaboration. I believe the Lord is in it. Um, he inspires us. I don't know of any other historical project where so many people are collaborating together, nor where they start their meetings with prayer Mm-hmm. Uh, and where they talk about needing to have the Spirit to guide and, and direct us, uh, where prophets are the ones who are guiding the project, you know, from the beginning and uh, teaching us what to do and how to do it from that high level, and then leaving us to execute the vision and then making sure that we've done it when we're done. It's, it's been an inspiring and exciting and daunting project, and I'm so excited for it to get into the hands of the saints. I have a question I think some of our listeners will have, too. How does this narrative deal with some of the issues that people, members, non-members, have with history in the church? Yeah, Steve, I know you're going to get this from 100 people. What would you guys leave out? Come on. Now, seriously, we're friends. You bet. You tell me. Is there, did, you, did you skirt the issues? <laughs> well, the first one you face in uh, the history is who is Joseph Smith and who are his family? Are they— are they renegades? Are they liars? Are they cheats? Are they swindlers? So we'll, we'll take that head on right from the beginning. We'll introduce you to them in their own records and uh, tell you what their neighbors thought of them. The next one you face is probably uh, Joseph Smith's leg surgery. So we tell that story. And, you know, we realize that we can't stop the action. The last thing you want to do in a fantastic narrative is stop the action and dissertate on the page. So we don't ever do that. But we do know that some readers will want to know more about the leg surgery, about the multiple accounts of the first vision, about right. Joseph Smith uh, seeking for buried treasure, or using a seer stone, or how did the word of wisdom come about, or how was the priesthood restored, and a hundred others. And nobody's more interested in those things and getting into the details of them than the historians who work on this project. Right. Um, if, if, if we were going to hide anything, I would have resigned from the job. <laughs> I want the whole world to know all there is to know. Right. And that's one of the reasons they brought us in, to tell the story that way. But we realize you just can't stop the story and do that. So instead, when we come to something like that, something controversial or interesting, where there's more of the story to be told than we can in the narrative, we tell a fantastic narrative about it, and then we have topics available. So you can go online and look at the topical essays related to all of the various issues. There are videos for some of them. There's there's just a massive amount of resources available for folks at every level. If, if all you want to do is read the story, great. But if you want to engage at a deeper level and get beneath the surface, within a few clicks, you can be looking at the original source material. And that we want everybody wow. who wants to do that to do it. So if I want to, maybe I'm a little skeptical, you know, because that's the kind of guy I am. And I say, well, I've never heard that detail. I mean, I, I, I read, I've read the Pearl Great Price. I, I've told the first vision in other languages on my mission. I don't remember an ax. I want to know where that came from. Because those creative writers, I mean, they're creative, right? You bet. Um, so you're telling me that I can, I can click through and I can read the actual sources 
of where this material came from? You can sure do that, Ben. You can find the axe in the 1843 newspaper article that reported it, and you can get there within a couple of clicks in the ebook and then the online version. The book will be online as soon as it's in print, and there will be footnotes on every single claim we make. We don't assert a premise that we can't defend from the historical record. So if it says it, uh, we feel like we can defend it from the record, and the footnotes will take any interested readers to the places that we got the information so they can verify for themselves. That's fantastic. I think, I think people are going to love that. You said that we are commanded to keep a continual history. Does that mean that this project will be ongoing, or when do we stop? Well, we're going to bring it right up to probably 2015 mm. when temples dot the earth and uh, saints everywhere are striving to make and keep the covenants of the temple. But that won't end the project or the command to keep the history mm -hmm. continually. So it'll be ongoing. Uh, there's a difficulty that a historian faces when you get real close to your own time. It's, it's challenging to discern the difference between journalism and history. Mm -hmm. So we, I don't think we'll write another volume for some time, but there will be ongoing um, efforts to continue to gather the history and tell it. It'll be on the church's uh, channels in a variety of ways. And then when enough time passes that we can confidently know what the fifth volume should include, then I'm guessing there'll be a fifth volume. That's great. S Steve, um, B we talked about B.H. Roberts earlier. We have the Joseph Smith Papers that is enormous and uh, a fantastic uh, record, um, a documentary record of everything. Um, those are only in English. And we get a lot of members all over the world. Um, how does how saints going to make a difference for people in Germany or the Philippines or Hong Kong? One of the most exciting things for me about this project, Ben, is that the prophets from the beginning – commissioned that it be translated into multiple languages. They wanted it in the languages that would reach at least 90% of the church. And as we've gone along under their direction, that has expanded even further. Uh, you know better than I do uh, probably all the particulars of that, but uh, correct me if I get it wrong, but from day one, the whole thing will be translated into 14 languages that will reach, what, 98% of church members? Yeah. And parts of it that are being published in the church magazines will be published in 48 languages. God loves his children is what that tells me. And this is a history that the prophets have uh, wanted to reach all of, of God's children across the face of the earth. I, I, I will share one little piece uh, about that story. Um, when uh, Elder Cook read... Uh, he and Elder Renland actually read first eight chapters. You remember they came and said, we've got to get this out fast because they loved it. They knew that the saints needed it and to everyone. And that's really where this serialization began with the magazines. Um, you know, for those of you who are listening out there, it started in February 2018 of chapters appearing in the Ensign and Liahona magazines. And it will continue until until the whole volume is released later this fall. I'm delighted to know that. I think there are some folks who might think that uh, it's the leaders of the church who sometimes 
uh, put the brakes on things. In this uh, project, it's been the reverse. Um, you know, originally we thought, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll get it done and we'll first publish it in English and then we'll translate it into 10 languages and that'll be a few years later. And uh, the direction from the prophets has been get that out as fast as you can and get it out in as many languages as you can. And, and originally when I heard that, I thought, I'm not sure we can do it. But <laughs> with uh, the help of the Almighty, it's become a reality and it's going to happen sooner than we originally thought it would come out. In fact, a year ahead of schedule, Volume 1 will be on wow. Uh, in the hands of the Latter-day Saints, not only in English-speaking ones, but all over the world in multiple languages. So there are lots of different cultures all around the world. How do you think this history will be applicable to everybody? You know, there's a famous saying from a, a novel, a 1953 novel. It says, the past is a foreign country. They do things differently there. <laughs> so not only is is the book made for uh people all over the world, it, it, the, even in English, I should say, the book is a translation. It's a translation of the foreign country of the past into uh, terms that, that 21st century saints can understand, whether it's a priest in Peru or a Mayamate in Mongolia or whatever the case may be, um, this book will translate it will help all of us, wherever we live and whatever language we speak, whatever culture we come from, it will help all of us to understand the foreign country of the past. What messages in the narrative do you think will still be relatable to us? You know, the first one that always is relatable is that God loves his children. God has always loved his children. And he always will. That will be evident from the beginning. Uh, it's always been true that God's children on earth have faced really hard things. And that will be Definitely. evident from the first page. <laughs> so people have problems. People have serious problems, hard problems. And in some ways, the, the hardest one of all is the problem of mortality uh, culminating in, in death. Not just because uh, of death itself, but because... We love people. We love each other. We love our family. And death devastates that. And so the story that relates to all people everywhere and every when is that Jesus Christ solves that problem for us. He conquers death. He conquers sin. And through him, we can conquer sin and overcome the effects of the fall and the same sociality that exists among us here can be eternal there. That's the story that all people everywhere, no matter what language they speak or what culture they come from, relate to. And that's the story of this book. That's really wonderful. Steve, your, your passion and enthusiasm for the project is very evident. Can you I, tell I'm excited about it? <laughs> I can. I, I'm sure our listeners can too. Um, I want to ask you one last question. The Saints Project and its impact was what? The gospel of Jesus Christ was restored through Joseph Smith the prophet. And one of the ways we gained that knowledge and understanding is this really fantastic history of the church that we read and reread and reread and listened to again and talked about as families and talked about in our church classes. And I hope that it provides a foundation of faith in the restoration that will endure forever. 
I hope that it will do what the Book of Mormon calls enlarging the memory of the saints. I hope it will uh, solidify our faith. There, there's a widespread false teaching that if you just knew the history of the church and all of its messiness, that you wouldn't be able to have faith in it. Well, I am a living witness that that's simply not true. And there are lots of other people beside me. I know the history of the church, and I am excited to get it out into the hands of, of all the people because with all of its messiness and complicatedness, there is a, an overwhelming evidence, both in the historical records and in the spirit of the, of the Holy Ghost, that testifies that the gospel of Jesus Christ was restored. And the story of that restoration is what we have to share. And I would be really excited if at the end of my tenure on this planet, uh, I could have some sense that this project helped to get that message out. I'm confident that it will. I am too. I, I'm confident because people like me and Sarah have read it. And I think we're seeing the fruits of, uh, of the work already starting to come to pass. So it's going to be great to see it get out there. And I just invite all of you out there to, to learn more about saints by visiting saints.lds.org, where you can read the chapters, you can click through to the topics uh, that we discussed today, uh, you can see the latest videos and all the latest information about saints. And of course, at any time, you can subscribe to this podcast and others at the Mormon Channel. Thanks for joining us today for Saints. And don't forget to read more of this historical narrative on LDS.org or on your Gospel Library app. Join us again for our next episode, where we'll once again discover fascinating insights of church history found in Saints, the story of the Church of Jesus Christ in the Latter Days. See you next time.